0: All right, welcome to the American Liberties. It's Wednesday, January twenty-second, twenty twenty. Surprise! I made it this long. Okay, twenty twenty, the year twenty twenty. This is going to be a good year for a lot of us, and and um, and I anticipate it's going to be good because of what we intend on doing. What I constantly have been talking about, and I've now got a, a way to fund the cause, and, um, and I'm not going to go too much on that. I, I don't want to take too much time, because the call is going to end at 7.50 today, uh, regardless if we're in the middle of a, a sentence. It is if 7.50, it's over. Anyhow, with that being said, for well, those who are new on the call, I'd like to introduce Dave Maryland. He's generally on every Wednesday night call, because mainly this is his call, To uh, and, and it's a sales call. We got information that we're not making uh, you know, a whole lot of money on, uh, just enough to, to hopefully keep the bills paid and what's going on. And, of course, we always need to sell just a little bit more. But um good information and you can see all this information at we as W E the letter V Gov dot com. dot com. And anybody has any questions you can always email me at American dot at Gmail dot com. And um but for those who are relatively new on the call, I met Dave in 2006, and it was his posture that turned a case that I was involved in, which was the IRS was wanting to indict me uh, for Wilford failure to file and interfering with the internal revenue business and all that. And I went in front of a grand jury flashing, waving David, uh criminal complaint that he sent to Congress in 2006 or 5, and uh, I joined it in in 2006, and I got the opportunity to give it to the grand jury in 2007 of January, and I haven't heard from the criminal activity since then, and so uh, for many, many people, that has always been the case. And it's always better to do it before than wait till you get criminally investigated. Because not everybody has a positive outcome. Like David uh, says, and I picked up, you just can't predict corruption. You just can't. And so with that being said, I'd like to turn it over to Dave. Dave, tell us, what do you got to say?
2: Yeah, thanks. And the best you can do, as Chris stated, is uh, prove you're innocent before they even open the book on you. And by uh, understanding the definitions of innocence, you can do a lot to preemptively uh, convey that you know the law protects you, and they're misenforcing the law.
1: <clears throat>
2: My name is David Merlin. Welcome to the January 22nd Wednesday American Liberties Call.
1: Nothing you'll hear me say is
2: intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do in a planet far, far away with law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. I put in the chat the link to the James Back trial memorandum from the government. And beginning on about page five, and by the way, on my YouTube channel, let's get that in the chat for you, my most recently posted video on my YouTube channel takes you through this memorandum in a video. So if you'd rather not sit and read it, you can go through it with me in that tutorial (laughs) where the government describes who is innocent in a tax case, a criminal tax case? person with a good faith misunderstanding of the law, even if it's unreasonable, is innocent, according to the government. So I'd like them to know in advance I'm innocent for whatever reason. If I have, in fact, filed tax returns, then I'm not guilty of failure to file, and I would want to tell them. If I had paid what they say I owed and they brought me up for a tax evasion or investigated me, I I would want to be able to prove, hey, uh, you got the wrong guy. And so read that memorandum and observe the definitions of innocence that the government shares in that memorandum. And it would be really nice to know that uh, it's easy to prove you fit the definition of innocence. So they never even start a criminal investigation against you. Into the chat, here comes a letter from the Denver IRS Criminal Investigations Division that says, uh, "This is October 4th of 019. You are no longer the subject of a criminal investigation by our office regarding your federal tax liabilities.
1: However, they
2: might come after you for unpaid taxes and unfiled tax returns." but he's no longer the subject of a criminal investigation. How do you do that? Uh, grateful says, Dave, is the memorandum you're talking about part of the James R. Back case? It's the government's trial memorandum leading up to trial. This is what the government thought the court needed to know about James Back. So yes, it's right out of the trial. So to, if you know you meet the definition of innocence, I don't know why you would hang around and uh, wait for them to prosecute you so you could prove it. It's always better to get in front of it and say, hey, uh, stop the train, you're going the wrong direction. Because once the train gets moving, you can't stop it. So you need to prove in advance that you fit the definition of innocent. Um, What if you don't? Well, then it's a pre-dawn raid with M-16s. They drag you out of your house and throw you on your stomach in the driveway at uh, gunpoint with a SWAT crew and a TV crew and uh, cameras and then haul you off to uh, jail. He's a sovereign citizen, Your Honor. We think he should be held pending trial. There. Your life is destroyed. They'll take you to trial probably more than 90 days away, so you spend 90 days in custody.
1: And you're relying
2: on your family instead of your family relying on you. You want to run that gauntlet just so that a panel of jurors people you don't even know are going to decide your fate? And they're told what to believe about you by a prosecutor that's willing to bring false charges against you. You want the prosecutor and the judge telling the jury who you are? Well, that's all you're going to get. You'll read right in this memorandum that, um, oh, people close to the, to the defendant aren't a good judge of what was on their mind. It's up to the jury to decide what was on their mind. Well, why can't we get the people closest to the defendant, his spouse, his brother, his brother-in-law, his children? What if they have knowledge that he doesn't believe he has a duty? They take those people out of the loop. Can't rely on them. So uh, it's stacked against you, and I mean stacked. It's called corruption against you from the very on and I have to urge you to prove in advance of being investigated that they got the wrong guy if you aren't willing to go that far for yourself um, you can move to the back of the room and let other people in the front seat because I'm just not about sitting around in April of 1988 just about April 15th of 1988, the IRS offended me on my doorstep. In June of 88, two months later, I started reading tax statute and regulation. And five and a half years later, I completed my treatise on the differences between the tax code and the IRS, how the IRS violates the law. And that's the the list of conclusions
1: that causes the
2: IRS to shut down criminal investigation. Dave found some stuff. <laughs> yes, Dave did. And uh, on takefromcaesar.us, takefromcaesar.us homepage, you got a picture of a Federal Reserve Bank. Right below that, you got paragraphs side by side. Right below that, you got a list of links that are on WeVGov.com. Click on Federal Income Taxation, and it will take you to the page with the uh, heaviest lifting arguments that I derived from all of my research, that I perceived after all of my uh, interactions with the IRS uh, for other people. I was a taxpayer advocate from August of 92, and so uh, all I was doing is analyzing under statute what the IRS was doing to people, and I found a bunch of holes in the IRS's authority. Great big constraints in the language of statute. So uh, take from caesar.us, right below the paragraphs that are side by side near the top, I see at wevgov.com, and there's a bunch of links there, Federal Income Taxation, and that's really where it starts. Or you can go to my YouTube channel, uh, the link to which I already gave you, and scroll down to one of my earliest uploads. Key to the code. One, two, three, four, five, six. The sixth upload in my history. Key to the code. Tax code not written to apply to Americans, including Social Security. And bingo. It puts your feet on the ground regarding the real intent and scope of the tax code. Three Social Security chapters obviously don't apply to citizens of the United States. And the only chapter left, Chapter 1, it doesn't identify a citizen that has to pay the Chapter 1 tax. And so they wrote a regulation that says this person owes that tax. Well, you can't do it that way, and there's a great reason for that. I'm clicking on Federal Income Taxation Page. I'm going to put this in the chat, keep you from having to dig around in um, vvgov.com. There's the link to the Federal Income Taxation Page, and I want to scroll down. I see all of section one of the tax code, the graduated income tax, and nowhere does it mention citizenship. And so they wrote a regulation that says citizens of the U.S. owe this tax. And right below that, I think there's like 30 excerpts, 30 different cases, Scroll, uh, circuit by circuit, scroll down to the Seventh Circuit, U.S. versus Bolognese. My claim is that Uh, yeah, I'm not in Social Security. They exclude the citizens of the United States. That leaves just Chapter 1, and I'm only named in a regulation. And uh, on the Seventh Circuit, understand, let's get that page for you here before we go too much further. On the Seventh Circuit, summer of 2018, here's the link, the Robert Orth case, there the challenge is made in writing, in the brief, that only the regulation identifies the subject of the tax, and it was on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, and here on the Federal Income Taxation page of levy.gov U.S. versus Vallone. In fact, I'm going to copy and paste this right into the chat. Here we go. So this court says, it doesn't say the statute identifies the subject of the tax. Vallone wrote a letter to the IRS in which he made a variety of baseless claims, including the assertions that he enjoyed enjoyed certain rights unique to a sovereign citizen born in the United States, that he was neither a citizen nor resident of the United States, as those terms are used in the 14th Amendment. And 26 CFR 1.1-1, the IRS regulation identifying those persons who are subject to the income tax by the United States, end quote. So here the court says, yeah, go to 1.1-1, the regulation that identifies who's subject to the tax. And that's okay with the Seventh Circuit in 2012. But in 2017, 2018, Robert Orth says, excuse me, but only that regulation and no statute, only the regulation, identifies the subject of the tax. They called it an outlandish theory and penalizing 4000 bucks. So the court can tell you that the regulation identifies the subject of the tax, but when you say only the regulation does, in violation of the 16th Amendment that authorizes only Congress to impose an income tax. Then it's an outlandish theory, and they can't talk about it, and they'll penalize you thousands of dollars. Up every judge. So you can't have the law. We'll penalize you for, for arguing it. And they've, they're already on record saying this regulation identifies the subject of the tax. And when you use the word only, only this regulation identifies the subject of the tax. Suddenly, penalties go up. We can't talk about it. yeah man Uh, guest state says Dave I'm a great admirer of your work I've already ordered every course you have from Chappie as I plan on cleaning up my state Um, this goes it harkens back to a comment a week ago somebody says uh, uh, that I was a leader and I had to tell him I'm not a leader I'm looking for uh, people I can pass the torch to it's not about leading anybody. We all have to get involved. We've seen what happens when one person does all the work. You end up on talk show every Wednesday night at 4 p.m. Pacific pitching your courses that are hard to sell. <laughs> so, no, I'm not a leader. Uh, I've gotten nowhere. Justice is that elusive. So, anyway, the Seventh Circuit says yeah, that regulation identifies the subject. Now, when you say only that regulation identifies the subject, bam, $4,000 penalty. A complaint to the FBI about mail fraud that Robert Orth filed uh, saying these judges are trying to penalize me through the mail, 4000 bucks, and all I did was argue the law. That's mail fraud. You'll never get anywhere with the law here. That's why I have the disclaimer I have. I prove it every day, the law doesn't count here, Um, you know, you, you have to paint with a broad brush because your liberty is on the line, and the casualties of that broad brush may very well be some decent public servants with good intentions, but I got too much on the line. I paint with a broad brush. They're so few and far between, these good ones, that uh, I can't risk it. I just can't risk it. Yep, driving my car on a uh, backcountry highway east of Seattle several miles. And uh, as I drove past this road on the right that has to stop when it meets my road, I get the through here. I don't have to stop. They do. I look down that road, and here comes a King County Sheriff, a couple hundred yards down there. So up the road a piece, I turn left up into this driveway that goes up into the woods because I was driving with an expired trip permit in the rear window, no license plates, bill of sale in the glove box, no registration for the car. I bought it at auction. And... uh waited for a few minutes, and then went back down the driveway and on my way up that road, and that cop had gone up that road and stopped and waited for me (laughs) and pulled me over. And as he approached my window, I said, "Uh, is there a problem, officer? He goes, yeah, you avoided me. I said, who wouldn't avoid you? Look at you.
1: What law did I violate when
2: uh, when I avoided you? and gave him my uh, license and gave him the rundown on the car. He goes back to phone me in, comes back and says, you're free to go. I said, I don't need you to tell me that. Took my license back and peeled out in the gravel and went up the street. And this is, uh, number one, you pulled me over for a reason that doesn't violate the law. Are are you a police officer or something? Because I don't see normal people doing that. So I had him from soup to nuts as soon as he said,
0: you avoided me.
2: What law did I violate when I avoided you? Oh, boy. (laughs) But this was just two weeks after a King County uh, sheriff, well, they were King County police back then. I don't know when or why they changed to sheriff, but uh, a King County police officer was discovered to have the blood of a drug dealer in the back seat of his patrol car but he had never arrested that drug dealer and that drug dealer's house had just been burned down to the ground and the police officer was suspected of arson and murder so just within two weeks of that this guy approaches my vehicle Uh, is there a problem yeah you avoided me I said who wouldn't avoid you look at you So it can be done, and uh, there's a learning curve you have to undergo or undertake, I promise you. And my courses are the best ones for that. <clears throat> uh, yeah, guest eight, and it's a matter of choosing your battles. You know, don't get into the little ones. Um, so uh, the, um, it can be done once they know what you're about and what you're able to do to a judge. If you know enough to push the judge into trouble and to complain about that conduct to the Commission on Judicial Performance in your state, uh, that's when the judge will express a desire to the prosecutor to not have your bacon in court again. And let them know when you get there. Ask the prosecutor, let's go out in the hall for a second and this is in a criminal case, of course, if there's a prosecutor, and you say, okay, you're after my 30 days in jail, you're after my 500 bucks, whatever. It's a matter of perspective. When you see me in court, it's because I intend to push the judge into a violation of the rules. I'm going to work you so hard that he has to help you violate the rules. You've already used the federal mail system to get me in here. That's a federal felony called mail fraud. 18 U.S.C. 1341, you commit a felony in here by violating the rules when you're after my liberty or property, I'll arrest you in open court because I can. So, you're here for my 30 days, I'm here to arrest the judge in open court. Let's begin. And they just might find a reason to get your case dismissed. It's a matter of perspective. You have to change yours so, they can, so you can change theirs. And someone that's going to push the judge into violations of state law and or court rules when they're using the mail to get you in there to get your money or your liberty, yeah, that's mail fraud. 20-year felony, 18 U.S.C. 1341. Go to the, I'm going here right now, take from Caesar homepage. Just below the paragraphs near the top that are side-by-side, I see the links. One is Federal Criminal Statutes. Mail fraud is one of the statutes on this page on wevgov.com. It's in the chat.
1: And you scroll down
2: there and you say anybody that puts in the U.S. mail a contrivance or device or scheme or artifice to defraud, 20 years. That's a felony. And you look up the uh, citizens arrest statute in your state. California's all screwed up. Uh, but you look up the felony citizens arrest statute in your state. Go to the federal or go to the citizens arrest page of weevygov.com. There's uh, excerpts from every circuit federal circuit courts about uh, citizens arrest of a felon. So. I know what a felony is. I'm going to make the judge commit felonies just to preserve the case you think you have against me, and then I'm going to arrest the judge in open court. And I'm going to tell the judge that you knew all about it. You, you sought to press me anyway. Servant breath. I mean, prosecutor breath. <laughs> and when you know enough, you can talk like this and just run them right around the law like it was a telephone pole ah in a perfect world when it comes down to paper if you're in litigation none of this will matter because uh corruption rules the day every judge just as i say on takefromcaesar.us every judge is as corrupt as the day is long however you can get to a point where they simply don't want to talk to you for the, for some great reasons <laughs> great reasons and uh Chris always tells you that um, when he met me, uh, what impressed him most was my posture. And I keep telling him my posture comes from knowledge of the law. Knowledge of the law is first. I've stu- I read tons and tons of cases of the government lost involving constitutional rights, involving statutory interpretation, this is an important one. Um, all lowercase, no spaces, wevgov.com slash annotations.doc. And I'm going to open that document. It's on my desktop. And I want to do a search for Orduno. <clears throat> Let's see. When there is an innocent explanation. Okay, uh, wevgov.com slash annotations.doc. It's a 263-page document, all nicely copy and pasteable formatted arguments in Microsoft Word. You're very much welcome. And I go all the way down to page 87, top of page 87. Estrada versus Macius, Ninth Circuit, 2000. No, uh, this is, um, uh, Estrada Macius was a tenant in a mobile home. And the mobile home was beside a methamphetamine manufacturing enterprise. And they busted the meth lab. And then they busted the mobile home. And the only thing they found linking Estrada Macius to the conspiracy to manufacture and distribute methamphetamine was a receipt, a list of who owed how much for how much methamphetamine. That's all that linked him to the conspiracy was that in the trailer where he lived, there was a list of people and their uh, methamphetamine debt total. And here we see At the top of page 87 of 263, it says C. Orduno Aguilera. Right below that, there's a quote. No rational trier of fact could have found that this standard was met for Estrada. The record was barren of evidence that he participated in the conspiracy. Even though Estrada initially denied living in the trailer, his denial was as consistent with non-participating knowledge of the crime as it was with complicity in the crime. When there is an innocent explanation for a defendant's conduct, as well as one that suggests that the defendant was engaged in wrongdoing, the government must produce evidence that would allow, must produce evidence, not must make allegations, must produce evidence that would allow a rational jury to conclude beyond a reasonable doubt that the latter explanation, the guilty explanation, is the correct one. In Estrada's case, the government produced no such evidence. There's another definition of innocent. I have a, a good reason why I did this to this person or to this property, Your Honor. In fact, the, uh, the 5K2 rules, when they go to sentence somebody, they can consider 5K2 downward departures. Like, I was faced with a, a, a uh, choice, Your Honor. I could either commit a crime that was real big or commit this lesser crime to try to get out of the situation. I chose the lesser. You get credit for that, and they'll reduce your sentence. Uh, if you blame it on the other person's conduct, the victim's conduct, uh, he, he goaded me. He was using abusive language, and so I assaulted him. You can get points for that. Downgrade, a a lessening of your sentence, a downward departure for victims' conduct. One of the most famous cases for victims' conduct was uh, Stacy Kuhn, all the way to the Supreme Court. He was the cop with the billy club in the Rodney King footage. And he said, I should get a downward departure in this sentence Because uh, the victim's conduct was greatly contributory to the fact that I had to beat him senseless. He wouldn't lay on his stomach. And so I had to keep beating him when he was on his hands and knees. And he argued for a 5K2 rule, downward departure, for victim's conduct. But uh, here you have a very broad expression where there is an innocent explanation for defendant's conduct. I got an innocent explanation. Everybody I know will tell you, I don't believe I have a duty. I haven't believed in forever. They've known me for a bunch of years. And you read the James Back trial memorandum, you see they got rid of that one. The judge and the prosecutor will tell the jury what to believe about what you believe. So this isn't etched in stone, but it's a great expression of a standard of uh, due process and evidence where there's an innocent explanation for a defendant's conduct as well as one that suggests the defendant was engaged in wrongdoing, the government must produce evidence that would allow a jury to conclude beyond a reasonable doubt that the guilty explanation is the correct one. I love that paragraph uh, because I've only worked for innocent people. Uh, If you can prove somebody's innocent, you drag that paragraph right out in open court and and, uh, roast it over an open fire. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a beauty Innocent an explanation your honor here it is do they have any any evidence that wasn't my motivation uh, the case right below it u.s. versus Esquivel Ortega unlike the Herrera Gonzalez decision the government has presented no evidence whatsoever that contradicts Esquivel's story or that indicates his intentional participation in the conspiracy. Why would that matter? Because you have to have criminal intent to be guilty. The government has emphasized that Esquivel must have known about the conspiracy, but it has failed to point to any evidence that supports that. Okay, so they can they can say, oh, he must have known about the conspiracy. You need evidence. You can't rely on must-have-known, and here it is right here, writing. Uh, Our criminal justice system is not based solely on inferences and assumptions. There must be evidence sufficient to sustain a conviction, and here the record is barren of evidence that Esquivel participated in the conspiracy. The government has uh, presented no evidence that establishes Esquivel's knowledge or possession of the cocaine and no evidence of his participation in the conspiracy. Esquivel's convictions for possession with intent to distribute and for conspiracy to distribute drugs accordingly are reversed. He was in Mexico. He's a Mexican. And he told his cousin, I really want to go to the United States and visit uh, our relatives up there. And his cousin says, well, take my van. He says, thanks. And he takes the cousin's van and drives to America. And gets busted. The bumper was made of cocaine. And his convictions were reversed. Because the government didn't produce any evidence that would indicate he knew about it. Isn't that a nice, fast, short A plus B equals C It's another definition of innocent. So my my deep study uh, into cases the government lost has paid me enormous dividends. It's filled my head with all these definitions of innocence, all these angles to pursue when you're defending an innocent person. And uh, it, you know, you can look at the, they don't need me to tell you. This is important to know, okay? You got his conviction overturned. That's real important. There's no other way to say that. Uh, Money Mike says, hi, friends. Hi, I got your invite. Uh, grateful says, thanks, Dave and Chris. Got to go. See you next time. Call anytime. Guest day, ever faced a psych evaluation from a judge before? How would you handle it? <laughs> this is one of the most corrupt ploys, the court's use when you start beating them with the law. In advance, if you fear this, and in California, you should fear it, uh, I find you mentally incompetent. I hereby order you to see these doctors. Get a psych evaluation from a doctor first. I got my own doctor, Your Honor, shove it. I mean, I already have an evaluation. No need for all that and uh, watch it in the future, you're using the U.S. Postal System system to get me in here, if you're going to jerk me around to take away my liberty by saying I'm unfit, that's mail fraud. I'm not going to stand for it. So uh, we need to understand each other, servant. Um, There is a tutorial, (laughs) and I'm proud of this one. This This is a, uh, I got a phone call on a Tuesday or a a Monday afternoon and then they overnighted me a cassette tape of the hearing, two minutes long. Got that Tuesday afternoon. And Friday afternoon they had these things to file onto the record. Go take that tutorial, uh, enable your Adobe Flash Player. Uh, You're on your own as to how to get that done. Uh, I'm not gonna get into computers just to render a tutorial. Anyway, in Microsoft Word, you get the documents right there that were filed against this judge, and they traumatized the court. They traumatized the judge. A state complaint for kidnapping, battery, and extortion, (laughs) and she couldn't wait to get the hell out of the courtroom. Just couldn't wait. And listen to the 60-minute tutorial. There's an interview of a court watcher that went to this hearing to watch how the guy did
1: And he'd gone to all the
2: hearings this guy had had in his case. And I told him, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'll write these documents against this judge, criminal complaint, whatever, you see them right there. And the next judge is going to come in and settle everybody down. He'll be warm and friendly, warm and fuzzy. And they'll get down to business. And that's exactly what the guy says happened. She got off the case. At the next hearing, a new judge, well, good morning, everybody. How is everybody today? And a public defender stands up. The public defender, the defendant didn't even ask for, stands up saying, hi, Your Honor, I'm here representing Mr. Centraletti today. Listen, it appears that uh, his speedy trial rights have been violated. The judge looks at the prosecutor and goes, is this true? (laughs) And the prosecutor says, I'll check. I'll get back to you this afternoon. judge says, yeah, do that. And that afternoon, the prosecutor called the public defender and said, we're dropping the case. Speedy trial. (laughs) So I didn't know exactly what the ruling would be, but I knew the next judge does not want documents like this filed against him. He knew the pen was real sharp. He knew somebody knew something about the law. And the court watcher, uh, he said it it was obviously the first time that the uh, law had been in that court in many years. And I didn't just shock the court, I shocked the system with these documents against a judge that had no business arresting the guy. In that 60-minute tutorial, there's the two-minute recording of the hearing where the judge says, I ordered you to go see these two doctors. I got a note here that says you didn't go to see them. You got an excuse for that? He says, yeah. Do you have an excuse for not recusing yourself? She goes, remand him into custody. Don't I get a chance to prove I'm not in contempt of court? Yes, you do. Oh, not in this court. So that's a violation of his constitutional right to allocution. It's a Fifth Amendment right. (laughs) And they deprived him of it in open court, her and two deputies. That sounds like a conspiracy to deprive somebody of constitutional rights to me. (laughs) And so I had all I needed for a, a criminal complaint. He wasn't in contempt. She ordered him to go see. Uh, Doctors Joshua and Dr. Jason. And then at the hearing, she says, I got a note here from Dr. Stevenson and Dr. Stanley that says you didn't go to see them. You got a reason? And it didn't tell her the reason. He just says, yeah. Well, the reason is you didn't tell me to go see those two judges, stupid. (laughs) You told me to go see two other judges. Yeah, I got a reason for not seeing them. You didn't tell me to see them. So anyway, I uh, got a question in the chat that says, What would you do about a judge that accuses you of being mentally unstable, unfit, whatever? It's like get a declaration of that by a psych before you go into that court. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh that was a fun that that's one of the fun things that happened in all this law that I've been uh, that I've endured. I haven't been forced to endure it. I wanted justice. I chose to stay in it. So my bad, my attitude, my bad. But along the way, there's a few gleaming moments, and that was one of them. So uh, anyway, uh, let me see. I'm looking at the chat. Uh, Lisa Novak, a 2005 Arnold Schwarzenegger appointee. Um, And... She burned herself. The law burned her. It wasn't Dave. I knew what crime she committed. I knew how to write the documents, and I just said, overnight me the cassette tape of the hearing, so I know exactly what I'm talking about. It was almost in a different century. It was like 2005 (laughs) and 2007. Overnight me the tape. Instead of find somebody that can use a computer, get it mixed down to an MP3, and email it to me, no, we're gonna overnight this one, lick the stamp <laughs> and uh the uh <laughs> and then I had it in hand. And I said, Okay, here's the target. Um, Money Mike says, Okay, I forgot. Do you ever answer any questions? Just making sure whatever happened in chambers, I wonder.
1: Yeah, to be a fly on the
2: wall when the next judge comes in and goes, Oh, uh, you want me to take this case? on huh? what happened? she just shut her head. Shut her, shut her mouth, lower her head, and hand them the documents. <laughs> and they'll go, Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, I see. What about when they tell you that's your interpretation of the law, objection overruled? Well, if you have a different interpretation of the law, put it on the record because I'm going to appeal. And so I want your interpretation on the record because I've broken it down phrase by phrase. I've got court cases that say, here's how this term is supposed to be interpreted. And make them put it on the record. That's, that's right, money, Mike, the record hurts them. Um, well, civil and criminal. The question is, Peaceful uh, Earth says, how would I remove franchise tax board liens against me? The franchise tax board, the FTB of California, is a law unto itself. Believe it. Um, I don't do leagues and levies. I don't do civil. I try to concentrate on criminal. And uh, what you might do is I'm going to give an email address. jd.consultants@live.com. Email uh, that individual. His name is Don Gron. Uh, he might be on the call. He goes by Pastor Don. And he has actually had some success, although limited, getting liens and levies off. I think he's even succeeded with the uh, the FTB once or twice. But I don't have any ideas on liens and levies. It's work I don't do. There's a bunch of people that are already doing better work on liens and levies than I could do. So, uh Everybody knows with me, I'm a hardliner, It comes down to visiting their office and say, listen, you lift that lien or I'm going to arrest you. Have you ever attended an open checkbook hearing in an anti of the courthouse? No. Uh, very little of what I've uh, done has been handled in court. It's all through the mail because uh, I really gravitate towards statutory arguments because I can find them. And I've only worked for innocent people, so it rarely comes down to a hearing, really. And so, uh, the uh, twilight mark looms about six minutes away. Uh, I'm going to turn this back over to Chris. Uh, This is an underlying theme in everything we do. Look at why the government loses cases. Those are definitions of innocence. That's so important. You have to know when you're innocent. So if somebody says handcuffs, you can just go, excuse me, I haven't broken any laws. Read it to me right now. What law did I violate? I haven't broken any laws. Write that down in your report. The defendant says under oath that he hasn't broken any laws. Most important five words in America, I haven't broken any laws. So the definition of innocent, if it violates constitutional rights, if it's a crime, you have to know, uh, you know, are you the victim of a crime when they arrest you? Because you told them you haven't broken any laws and they can't prove that you have, they can't even talk to you about it, well, they're arresting an innocent person.
1: Uh,
2: You do what you can, guest eight. Guest says, but the courts don't publish cases that go against them, especially in a state. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. And uh, I did it by volume. They don't hide every case. And so uh, it's not like you're going to find an answer in the first group of cases that you read on a topic. Keep digging, keep reading, and you find a fabric to the law or court rule that you're studying. Okay, everybody, back to Chris Chapman, our illustrious host. And again, my name is David Merlin. None of this is legal advice. It's been my pleasure and privilege, and uh, I can't wait till next time. Next time is Saturday at noon Pacific. I'll be on 59615. No confidence. 59615. Till then, enjoy my uh, tutorials on my, th- uh, my YouTube channel and get a load of the courses on wevgov.com. We make deals. Okay, Money Mike, I'll probably drop in for a minute. And uh, back to you, Chris. Thanks for everything, everybody.
0: Okay. Take care. Okay, thank you, Dave. Uh, the, um, I, I just want to add that uh, what I want to do is, you know, we've been helping people. I mean, Dave and I have been working together since 2006, helping people. And long before that, I try to help people as much as I know and, you know, shared information, and, and we would have group meetings, and I would go to uh, people's houses and have meetings and show them what I know and so forth. And, you know, um, <clears throat> a lot of people may may remember regarding the IRS uh, a group called We the People. You know, they they had a, they, you know, challenged the, the IRS, showed me the law type group, and which is okay, and 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 they did a great job. They got a lot of national attention, which is great. But then it petered out. Okay, they they you know the IRS was supposed to show up. They decided not to show up, and there was no enforcement. And that's what we have in a lot of uh, uh, situations. You can be right in the rain, but there's no enforcement on your side. And watching the government, you know, going through this uh, Senate thing now and so forth, now the government makes a bunch of allegations where you got to prove your innocence in lieu of, you got to prove your, you know, in lieu of, they have to prove you're guilty. Well, we need to, you know, we need to take this to the next level. One guy brought up the other day, uh, which is in David's book already, uh, civil liberties versus homeland security, and you can see that at the book patch. And about the legisla- legislation on 83, we don't we don't need to wait till the IRS comes a- after us individually to argue section 83. Or try to defend yourselves. Why should you defend yourself when you haven't done anything wrong? Doesn't make sense, does it? We need to go on the attack. We need to start going with the law. See, the IRS code is perfect. Everybody says, oh, abolish the IRS. Why? I don't care about the IRS. The IRS is just an agency. Which I don't have to. Which I'm not a part of. The IRS doesn't reach me unless I'm paying gas or buying beer or alcohol. But as far as income tax, I just need them to stop misrepresenting the law and get on point. Get get on the same page as the legislation's intent. We need to, We need to go after our. Public servants, <laughs> um, and you know, I'm not going to be try to be careful with words here. We need to go after the ones that are elected into office and get them and tell them, hey, you know, they're not following the law as you as you guys have written it. Those though, you and those before you have written it. And this is what the courts have said. This is what the law says. This is what even the commissioner has said. And yet I'm being violated every day among other Americans. Well, in the chat, I got links now. I would like you to go first to Maxis. And those who are not on the computer, Maxis. M A X O U S dot TV. There's a 14, well, 15 minute video there. 15 minute video that gives a good summary. This coach B does a great job in doing a, a quick summary, but yet covers every detail. And then you can sign up for free right there at maxis.com forward slash chappy. Now my intentions is to help enough people. See, if I help four people get a thousand dollars, same. And what I say, what I do is the same for you. You help four people make a thousand dollars, you will make, you'll get matching bonuses which is 1000 each, $4,000, plus what you made. And I'm not going to sell a program here, but it's a way for us to make a lot of money, and I believe quickly, because it is um, social media. Who doesn't do social media today? I mean, the president's on social media. The government's on social media. Everybody's on social media. But what do you get for being on social media? Absolutely nothing. But now this social media turns and helps want you to make the money. Not only make money, but save money. You can save a bunch of money. So I I would encourage you to join the team that wants to develop and build dreams, okay, of, of liberty. And a lot of you think, ah, well, you know, the country's lost, it ain't no good. Then don't get in. Don't be a part of it, okay? I only want people that can imagine of being free. I don't want people to be, I don't want victims, okay? I want overcomers. I want people that can believe that, if we can get enough people to do what we need to do, whether we challenge it on a local level or national level, we can get together all the way around this country and, and, and build something that we can. You know, if we help one individual in one part of the state, country, in, in any of the countries, meaning any of the states, because each state is a country. Okay, I like to keep the way the statutes are read. And if we can help anybody in any of the collective countries, that's a great, that's a good job, man. That's a good job. Whether it be the IRS, whether it be uh, child support, whether it be traffic, whatever it is, we, I'm getting hooked up to enough people that have different talents that we can all come together and help each other. But without money, man, you can't do squat. So with that being said, God bless America, and this call is now officially over. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky
0: in the limo and we lost track of time.
1: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.